Welcome to Dear People of Earth, UFO and UA podcast presented by UAPMAX.com. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be reproduced or distributed without express written consent of the content creator. Thank you for listening. Good evening, morning or afternoon, wherever you are. Uh, Welcome to another edition of Dear People of Earth podcast. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about uh, whistleblowers and specifics with regard to uh, the government, special access programs, and I'm going to be naming some names. Um, These are uh, secret keepers, people that have been uh, specifically told to me have been uh, in the know on some programs. Um, I have done everything I can to reach out to these people. I've received some kind of tertiary and very prompt responses from some, um, which were all basically, I don't want to talk to you. Um, In one instance, uh, I was referred back to um, specifically Susan Goff with uh, the Department of Defense with their uh, basically pat answer of, we don't know anything. There's no such thing as aliens. We don't have any idea what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Same different things, but uh, there's never going to be. I I truly, honestly don't believe there's ever going to be any heavy, true disclosure. That might have, you might have heard a little sneeze there. That was my dog. Sorry about that. Um, But I want to kind of put out there what I put in writing to a few folks. Um, So this was the basic email. Uh, Wasn't really necessary to change this up too much because uh, the information that I received um, basically told of these specific people. So it says, I'm writing an article. Would you like to comment on the following? I appreciate and respect your response. I realize the subject of the UFO and UAP issue is difficult. I know it might be something you've had to deal with for a lot of your career. I'm letting you know I'm writing an article and would like to get your response. Every whistleblower that I'm working with that has given your name is someone in the know with both legacy retrieval programs and reverse engineering. I'd love your response to these questions. One, are you aware of any reverse engineering or recovered UAPs or UFOs? Two, it has been reported to me that you have had direct contact, both NHI technology as well as directed others with regard to tech, reverse engineering, development of detection systems and radar and analysis data, and information processing, if this is accurate, or is this accurate, I should say, without saying any specifics behind any programs. Does your current position in the past or currently uh, operate within the field of non-human intelligence, UFO, UAP discovery, exploration, exploitation, or NHI cooperation by working with or being a liaison between NHI and the federal government or other agency in any way? If you do agree with this, would you be willing to have a discussion off record or on about these UAPs? I know the gravity of what I'm discussing here, but I believe the days of secrecy around this are coming to an end. If you want to talk privately, we can do that. I have a few more days before my article is written. I appreciate your time. I wish you the very best, warm regards, and of course my salutations. Um, didn't expect it really anything out of these. It was just a first contact attempt, and um, I really didn't have much by way of uh, any expectations for this. So we're going to get into some of these folks that have basically just blown me off. The first one is Maynard Holiday. Um, he's the PTADO Assistant Secretary of Defense for Critical Technologies at the U.S. Department of Defense. And he, his outside um, persona is that he performs the duties of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Critical Technologies, so research, 
um, Office of Special Development. And, the, and basically, he oversees the investment of the Pentagon's modernization priorities um, and the capability analysis as outlined in the National Defense Strategy. So he oversees the 10 principal directors assigned to those techs and their roadmaps. Um, he is the boss that talks about uh, AI, machine learning, autonomy, human-machine interfaces, uh, integrated sensing, cyber, directed energy, lasers, integrated network system of systems, renewable energy generation and storage, hypersonics, microelectronics, oh, and the last thing, space. Um, so basically what he does and what he has been doing, and it, this is all um, under the guise of... Uh, we're going to call this alleged uh, because saying that uh, these are for sure would get me into some issues. So I'm not going to say that. These have just been things that have been reported to me um, with specifics of what Maynard has been uh, doing for his career, um, specifically the past decade or so. Um, there has been um, some uh, uh, alleged, I don't want to say accusations, they're not really accusations, but someone that I had spoke to allegedly talked um, about what he did um, and what he is continuing to do. So specifically, uh, he has allegedly been in charge of some of the programs, pardon me, uh, some of the programs to do with um, laser systems, uh, space-based laser systems, um, and these were direct um, reverse engineering uh, of NHI tech. Uh, I don't know uh, specifically with regard to where and when it came from in his purview, meaning I don't know where he got the, the things. The folks that I have been talking to, uh, and there's two independent um, of each other, do not know each other, but know of the people that I am talking about. Um, his name was brought up more than once. Um, he also directs uh, other directors, Pardon me, my dog is trying to squeak his little toy here. Fredo, please stop. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, so he is in charge of directing the directors. Uh, so he is at a high level um, and knows quite a bit of the special access programs that are out there uh, that are specific to NHI uh, reverse engineering. He won't go on record. He uh, just pushed me off to Susan. Um, who I certainly also contacted. If you've seen on my um, my Twitter account, she basically just responded with the you know the cut and paste pat answer. Uh, we don't have any crash retrievals, nor do we know of any, nor have any in the past, or you know, 500 years from now that won't happen either. Blah 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 blah. It's just the same pat response over and over and over. Um, now. I, I, I'm, I'll say this. Susan is just a, a representative and she's non, uh, non-military, uh, but still works for the Department of Defense. Um, she is given a line. I don't know that she specifically knows much of anything. Um, all I know is that she's the spokesperson you have to go to. Um, so no matter what question you ask, you're going to get Susan and you're going to get the pat response. We don't know. We have no idea. So I didn't expect much more from that. Um, it, it's difficult for me to go much deeper into uh, this person, uh, into Maynard, um, simply because there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and there's a lot of allegations that he knows about. 
Um, but he was one of the few that actually did respond to me. Um, you know, his, his public facing persona is, is really pretty like, oh yeah, we do these great things. But, uh, the, 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 the flip side of that is there's quite a bit of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that, um, I think a lot more people, uh, should be digging into, um, certainly. Uh, Catherine Congdon, uh, she is, uh, the, lia the legislative liaison to the secretary of the air force. Now, my understanding with her is, and again, this is alleged, my understanding with her is that she has access to reports, analyses um, that go directly to uh, the head of the Air Force. So she is actually kind of a liaison officer, so to speak. Um, she gets and collates the information. I don't want to say that she's a secretary. That's I mean, She is, but that's not, it, it goes much, much deeper than that. Um, when you're talking about a legislative liaison, you're talking about someone that's actually going to be going between not only the secretary of the air force, but she's also going to be going to the white house. Um, so she's going to do, you know, what they call a presidential daily briefing. Um, she's going to be a part of that. So she has access to knowledge, um, as opposed to being firsthand, um, you know, witnesses that are on the ground actually, uh, touching and, and working on, reverse engineering, NHI technology, um, but she knows. Um, I've also reached out to her. She went dark on social media. Um, she would not respond to anything. Again, not really something that I expected uh, to, to happen. Um, the reason that I'm doing this the way that I'm doing this and why I'm going at this full steam like this is because in the, in the world of trying to cultivate... Um, intelligence. Uh, you don't go about it the way I'm going about it. Doing it this way is a spear as opposed to uh, trying to go around the back door and, you know, tap on a shoulder and say, hey, listen, uh, we have a couple of friends in, in, in common that, you know, have talked to me. That would be great if I had the resources to do that, to travel all over the country. I do not. Um, would like to possibly start considering something along that line, but I would need either a benefactor or uh, I would need to be able to start a nonprofit to do that. I'm not opposed to doing it. Um, I have the time and the ability to do so. I just don't have that type of funding. I, I do fine, but that, that type of funding is not in the wheelhouse for me. Um, part of this is a notice to some. So when I started to rattle the cages a couple weeks ago now, few weeks ago, actually more towards the beginning of the month. It's looking almost a month now. When I started to rattle some of these cages and some of these people that I was told about, um, I started to see some almost immediate pushback. Um, it was like kind of the, that, that, you know, how you, 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 you start a, uh, a, a fire and it, it begins to grow a little bit here and then it grows a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, maybe uh, it, it jumps over the line a little bit. I started to see that. Um, I started to see um, little things that were shut off from me. And I don't want to get too deeply into that. Um, but it was eye-opening. Um, and it was pretty immediate. Um, within a week or so um, of contacting a couple of these people, it seemed like they were dominoes that were trying to fall or doors that were trying to close. Um, 
but not all is lost uh, because there is one person specifically that um, let's just say that we're having a conversation. I'll leave it at that. Um, so the next person is Tira Tony Tunyavongs, and he is a PhD. And he's the special advisor to the chief eye information security and cyber security officer at the U.S. Department of Defense. He is their principal analyst, uh, research scientist, policy strategist, and an editorial board member. So this is an interesting person. Uh, he specifically has U.S. policies on space cybersecurity, missile defense, missile non-proliferation, excuse me, and defense industrials. All right. So it was, again, allegedly told to me uh, that he is specifically worked on and or directed space-based systems specifically with regard to propulsion and electromagnetic reverse engineering. So in a different article, um, I spoke about how orbs and Tic Tacs work. A lot of the information gleaned from that and specifically from the defense contractor, I guess we should say, say plural because some of this was more than one. So Tony got this information, was briefed on it, and then some of the reverse engineered technologies, and I'm trying to say this in a way that makes the most sense. So it, it, he took the technology or was given the technology um, along with all of the reverse engineering that both schematics as well as um, the particulars, the mathematics, uh, everything that was behind it, and specifically worked on the energy requirements of these types of, and they're not propulsion systems, because if we, if you go back and you look at those other uh, two podcasts or interviews, you'll know that it's actually through an, an electromagnetic or a magnetic reaction um, that is sort of like a magnetar, it's magnetar-like, it's not quite at that level. Um, but he specifically worked within that field, um, allegedly. So again, um, I've given these people the opportunity to speak. Again, I didn't think that they would. I, I just, just, I did not feel that they were going to, to speak out to me. So I'll leave it at that. But um, I did give them the opportunity to speak. Um, and I've connected with them in multiple ways or tried to connect with them in multiple ways. It wasn't just one route that I tried to go down. There were multiple ways and phones, phone calls rather. Um, so again, these are people that you can look up. Uh, you, you obviously are not going to see anything that says UFO UAP. Um, but again, these are the people that are told to me that are in charge of programs. Um, firsthand, these would not be... Um, as much as I love David Grush and what he's being, you know, what he's trying to do, uh, this is a different level. This is going to be some people that are very specifically in these programs, deeply involved, if not running these programs. Um, on the outside, they're, you know, 
they have these great credentials and, 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 you know, I'm sure that there are things that are done, uh, that are, you know, outside the purview of the department of defense and they look great. Um, but again, we're trying to connect these roads and we're trying to connect the dots here. Um, and this is, these are finally some names that are coming out there again. Um, you need to do your own due diligence and people maybe with greater uh, ability to get into uh, those doors um, can take the ball and run with it. Um, again, none of this is from for my own gain here. I don't really care. Um, what I'm looking for is the doors to start opening. And if that means that I have to take a bullet here and name some names, and, and so be it. Uh, that's the way it's going to be. Um, so as we move on, um, we can get into another person who... Um, Pete Bythrow, uh, he is a PhD. Uh, Pete Bythrow was told to me uh, and revealed to me again, allegedly, um, is the person that was responsible for the 2004 uh, encounter with the USS Nimitz. Uh, it was his job to uh, both go over the data, uh, the radar data, um, but also to determine what this thing was. Um, track it uh, and see uh, the specifics around where it was, where it came from, where it went. Um, he is, if you look at Peter Bythrow, he also has uh, retired from service, um, but he was in uh, during, I believe, two presidencies uh, for Ford. Um, no, it, I think that's not That's incorrect. So he was I know during 2004, and I don't have his exact dates in front of me because I'm doing this. Uh, I, I, this is all unscripted, by the way. I don't write any of this down. He has a massive background uh, in radar and telemetry, um, as well as uh, he's been on the side of actually making um, lots and lots. His name is on a lot of patents for... Uh, working with both radar, um, but also um, detection equipment. So one of the things that he did, and this goes back to, I think it's around 1997 or 1999, somewhere around there, uh, maybe even been a little bit before that. Um, he did something called uh, detection of transient optical events uh, within the narrowband visible wavelengths. And Part of this, he did this with, uh, it was him and Douglas Arsler or Orsler. Um, and what it basically was, was the remote sensing of optical transients represented uh, basically a paradigm shift in the approach to the detection and identification of anthropogenic terrestrial events. Um, so what this is, is what, I'm going to narrow this down because there's a, there's a paper out there on it if you want to go look, but... What it is, it's a short-lived op optical event lasting from tens of milliseconds up to a few seconds that are undetectable or ignored by most current satellite remote sensing systems. So basically what that means is disregarding that data, important events, um, event source data, is something that he developed and worked on uh, to figure out what was going on during high energy moments. Now, 
Part of this was used under the guise of NASA. And what that would do would, uh, he would record, or not he, but they would record events occurring at, let's say, uh, a launch event through uh, a missile launch or through uh, a, a rocket launch or through even at that time um, shuttle launches. And what they were noticing was that there were events that were occurring during those launches and they were relatable to uh, the events of humans launch, launching rockets and the events happened so quickly that they had been caught on in some cases uh, they had been caught on physical media so rocket goes up in the air an event occurs they don't understand the event that's occurring so he developed and with his partner there um, at the national, or it was at the, uh, the the National Physics Laboratory, I think it's called NPL. Um, they developed this system so that they could see these anomalous things occurring because they were occurring during launches. So you'd have a rocket going up in the air. The They call that the event, right? So that's the human-based terrestrial event that's occurring. But things were happening to the rocketry and things were happening to the engines. Not These are not things that would be um, physically damaging, but they involved some type of, as I said, physical media that could see them. So what they did is they developed the screening pro progress to detect exactly what these things were. Now, I don't have any of the data from that because this person has this data or... Uh, NASA or Department of Defense or whoever it finally wrapped around um, don't have the data, but they developed these systems to see what was happening because they were having events that were occurring that, uh, and again, as my contact has told me, and this is all alleged again, um, that were, uh, the way that they explained it was were pieces of the Earth event for the terrestrial event were phasing in and out. They didn't understand what was going on. They, they saw phase shifts and they could see these things occurring, like I said, on, on physical media. So on camera, somehow they were seeing these. I don't know what type of camera. I don't know what the optics were. I wasn't given that information. All I know is that Bythrow and his partner developed the systems to detect what was going on. Um, and these were, when you, when I say phase events, I, it was intimated to me that these were um, events that were occurring to the terrestrial event, to the launch, that were outside of current known physics and or current known technologies for humans. Meaning something was interacting with these craft, uh, with, with our terrestrial craft, our rocketry. Um, Something, and, and I don't know if this continues to occur, but there was something impacting these events. So that's why they developed this system. So uh, they conducted these experiments in Cape Canaveral. Um, they used a high-speed digital camera and a narrow band pass filter centered, centered at 589 nanometers. Um, they resulted in the characterization of initial flash, initial plume signature, from several large rocket boosters while suppressing daylight background clutter. So this is all part of a remote sensing type of situation. Um, 
Then they applied that to space. And another part of what Peter has been involved in um, was specifically related to neutrinos. Um, and again, this is done with the APL. Um, and this was specific to an Air Force program. And what they did is the, uh, the Applied Physics Laboratory, um, they worked on something called space weather. Um, it's influence on spacecraft systems, military communications, and high-altitude piloted vehicles. Um, what, so what this is, is, and, and again, alleged, um, NASA is deep into this. Um, so that's why, like, I was, I had a lot of pushback when Nelson uh, came out with his garbage about uh, they're not going back into any data from the past. Well, if they'd gone into data from the past and they have it, um, they'll know <laughs> that, and one of the things, again, Peter Bythrow has worked on, allegedly, is a system to develop modalities for space weather and craft that we have, including satellites, high altitude, quote unquote, planes, as well as spacecraft. What, <laughs> what this is doing is it is monitoring ins and outs of UAPs. It monitors positions within the low atmosphere of the Earth or the low space atmosphere, as well as the higher atmosphere. And not, I shouldn't say atmosphere, I'm talking about space now. It's not atmospheric, but um, so they know where these things are coming in and out, which is why I have been so adamant about talking about certain things. And again, this podcast is putting it out there. And again, I'm going to say it one more time so that when the lawyers come and I get a cease and desist, this is all alleged because um, I have a feeling there will be one. Um there is, without a doubt, I'm telling you right now, and again, I've never said anything where you need to believe me. NASA knows, Department of Defense knows, this is not new. This has been going on a very long time. And they have the data in their hands right now to tell you points of contact where things are coming into and out of our atmosphere, where things are coming into and out of above our atmosphere they have the the data they have the know-how to reverse some of it now whether this was direct intervention with nhi or if this was data that our space agency here in the united states and others have had to 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 figure out because of any possible damage that could be caused by uh you know hitting these things or going near these things um, but they are using what's called a DMSP charged particle detector, and it's an Air Force satellite. Um, it includes, as they quote it, sophisticated charged particle detectors as operational instruments for in situ monitoring of near Earth space conditions. They measure, measure energy 
and flux of ion and electrons in the range from a few electron volts. Okay, do you know what a few electron volt is? It's it's like put your finger on a on a on a battery and get a teeny tiny spark. It's less than that. Um, to tens of kilo electron volts, or electronic volts, or electric, excuse me, kilo electron volts. The particles are most often observed in a circumpolar region and are usually associated with oral optical emissions. The flux energy and latitudinal extent of these particles depend on their source in the Earth's distant magnetosphere and on solar-induced geomagnetic conditions. So again, they're using the, uh, the ionosphere. Um, so when you see the northern lights, uh, you see these beautiful things that are happening. Uh, those are all natural occurrences, um, things that they want to avoid. You don't want to, you know, get into ion storms. You know, these are all logical things that humans would do to uh, detect conditions for their spacecraft and for their satellites. Uh, the thing of it is, is that there's other explanations for it as well. Um, they're able to see. And again, this is where this whole thing with this with Nelson and we don't have the data or we're going to look at the data. This data is there. There are reams and reams, and I'm using reams because I'm old, but there are uh, hard drives and hard drives of data as far back as the 60s. Um, and I realize we didn't have quite the technological developments that we had here now in the United States um, and abroad. We still had some detection equipments, but um, it was not anywhere near what it would be right now. Um, these, if I can get deeper into these, um, and I don't know how much deeper I can get into them, um, because again, I'm being met with some, some hit back, um, are smoking guns. These are systems that are in place, uh, and they are specific to working or being reverse engineered from and possibly by NHI. Um, additionally to that, uh, there is and, and something again alleged that, that is occurring um, is that when Bythrow saw the 2004 data, he is the specific person. And keep in mind, he was the absolute person that would be doing this at that time. Um, so during the time that 2004, 2004 occurrence happened, um, he was actually the chief scientist of Mason, M-A-S-I-N-T. Uh, if you don't know who that is, um, basically that is the, well, it... <sighs> It's the measurement and signatures intelligence. And, and what that means is they, all the blips and the boops and the beeps and the bops that are going across the globe at any given time, they went through him. He was the guy, the chief scientist, all right? So he ran these programs that when they had anomalous detections, it went right through him. To date, uh, he also was, or I should say, his clients right now, Los Alamos National Laboratory, Savannah River National Laboratory, Georgia Tech Research Institute, and the University of Alaska Fairbanks. What have we talked about in Alaska before? What do you think Los Alamos is? 
this guy is as deep into this as you could possibly get, and he's not even part of the service anymore, right? But here, about listen to this. He has a company called Bougainvillea or Bougainvillea Breeze. It's a science and technology LLC. He is a one-man uh, consulting firm. And you can look up his company. It's B-O-U-G-A-I-N-V-I-L-L-E-A Breeze. He has, I think for the past five years or so, he's only put down two or three government contracts under his name. Um, if you look at also what he's done during that time frame, he is specifically vetting uh, patents related to some of these are atmospheric, some of these are uh, defense-related, um, anything to do with detection of anomalous events. He, I don't know if he's doing it for the patent office, but I can tell you that his grants or his his uh, his business has been awarded these contracts directly from the Department of Defense, and you can track them, you can trace them. I'm not going to do it for you, but if you go, you can find out. So if you if you look at Peter Bythrow patents and you Google that, uh, you'll see that he's had his hand in. Uh, working on and verifying patents for the past at least five or six years, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and it's all related to patents that are put through. And his entire job, I am told, um, again, allegedly, is to meet out and find patents that could be from reverse engineered NHI technology. Why? because he's already done it. So what happens is, is these patents come through and he is able to, at that point, tell the Department of Defense if these patents, and some of them are coming from China, some of them are coming from all across the world. So what he does is he looks at them and he says, hey, I think these guys have something. I think these guys might know, uh, you know, they're, they're narrowing in on this specific or they're narrowing in on that specific. And these are relatable events that we we know about for X amount of years because this is the guy that worked on them. This is the guy that reverse engineered them. This is the guy that developed the systems, allegedly. Um, again, I know that naming names is, is not something that most people do out there. Uh, they hold this information in. And this is my contact and this is that. I gave these people a chance to come out and talk. Uh, they've decided to uh, keep the envelope a secrecy. Um, there was not even a denial. Nobody has denied it. When I spoke to Peter, uh, <laughs> he came back with like two lines. Uh, Thank you for contacting me, but I'm not interested in talking about this. There was no denial. Um, he just doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, I have sent him follow-up uh, e emails to multiple addresses. Won't respond to me. And that's fine. Again, I didn't expect that to occur. Um, I'm hoping that he hears this because I'm going to send it to him. Um, and he takes this to heart that, uh, again, I would be more than happy to talk to him um, off record even uh, to have a discussion. Um, but 
Peter is of an age now that he's right around my dad's age. My dad passed a year and a half ago. Uh, he's right around the same age, Vietnam veteran. He grew up right near me. Um, he doesn't live in this area now, but uh, he did grow up in this area where I where I live. Um, I'm hoping I can, uh, you know, get across to him that he's given a lot of good service for a lot of good years, but uh, there's a lot of things coming out right now. Um, it would be a damn shame to to have some of his his knowledge, uh, you know, die with him. Uh, I'm not saying that he's ready to go, but I'm just saying um, it would be a, a shame um, to keep that old school mentality going on. Um, you know, I, I think humanity has a right to know uh, the answers to these questions. Uh, and, and it doesn't even have to be a situation of saying, hey, we have this, this and this. I, I don't expect anybody to give away national secrets. We need to keep our own edge, you know, as an American citizen, I'm going to say this, you know, I'm a true blue, red, white, and blue. I think we need to keep our secrets and, and, and our edge simply because there's, there are countries that don't want us to have an edge that, that would like nothing more than to see the United States perish. Um, so in that respect, I am right on the same level. I, Hey, you know, I don't need to know this is how it's done. I, I, don't need to know that you put X into Y and you get Z. I, I don't care about that. Um, and, and those secrets need to remain. I, I would never reveal a secret like that myself. Um, but there are aspects of this that are just not national security. They're just not. And and to keep that, that compartmentalized thinking alive through end of life or through through the time that you have left, it, it, it's nonsensical to me. You know, I understand that there are things that could be behind the scenes that could be um, very dangerous to humanity. I, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I know that there are situations that I have been told by others that, and again, at least the one, the one NHI that I am 100% about is at, at minimum, they don't care about us. At maximum, they've interrupted and they have done things with humanity that are not great. Um, but the other part of that is that even if that's occurred, even if that's happening, you sitting there listening right now, you have a right to know. You have a right to know where you live in the world, where you live in the universe, where you live. It, it's a fundamental need to know. And by asking these questions of the people that are holding the secrets um, and, the, and there are the, how many myriad people are out there retired right now? Maybe you're listening to my voice. I don't know. Enough. It, it's time. It's time to say we are not going to hold this line anymore. You're holding a line that is outdated. You're holding a line that doesn't make sense. You're holding a line that was created during a time where it was a cold war between the United States and Russia, right? In, in a time that was after World War II, and some of it during. It's not the same place anymore. It's not the same civilization anymore. Um, we have, you know, I, I think, and, and again, I don't want to make light or be little people that were in the 40s and 50s, but it was a simpler time. 
It was a time where people were, you know, mom and dad and baseball and apple pie and, oh, you know, let's root for the red, white and blue. And, and all that is fantastic. I was raised by a Vietnam veteran, three tours, became, it came home and became a police officer, blue collar guy his whole life. I, I can't root for the United States more than I can. I, I, you know, my brother was military, my grandfather was military. My family goes all the way back to the ship Anne, uh, which was a contemporary of the Plymouth Mayflower, part of the Mayflower Society. I'm not personally because I don't care about that, but I could if I wanted to. Francis R. Sprague was my direct descendant all the way back. So I've been here a long time. My family's been here a long time. I And, you know, where am I going with this? I'm circling this back because I don't want you to think or anybody to think that I want to put secrets out there. I don't want to do that. I don't need to know the how, right? I don't need to know the why. I need to know the end result or the beginning result if it is. That's what I think needs to get out there. Hey, look. Yeah, we have... Uh, we have friends visiting us uh you know i can't get into the deep dark aspects because maybe i don't know all of it but i do know yeah we've we've had some visitations and they're here and uh they have pretty incredible technologies they have some pretty uh wild things that could do some nasty things but they haven't uh you know overall uh contact with humanity has been xyz um people are still looking into it boom now you've got the disclosure out there, now it's just, as I've said this before, details. It's just open up these things to scientific rigor. Maybe we can find some cool things that have happened that we could employ into the human condition. Um, but to hold that line anymore, and, and again, I'm, this is more for the people that are listening that may have had exposure to this stuff. Bring it out. Do what you got to do. If if we if you need to contact me, if you need to contact anyone else, again, UAPMax.com. It's buzz at UAPMax.com or steve at UAPMax.com. We'll start there. From there, I have ways of talking to you uh, that are encrypted and there's nothing breaking it. I don't care who's at the controls. They're not getting through it. Um, you know, the, the, the point of it is, is I've had a few people that I've talked to um, first-hand witnesses, um, and if you think that they're not scared for their lives or you think that they're not um, very considerable or considerably concerned, you'd be dead wrong. Uh, there are forces that – you have to understand part of this too is people have families. I've talked to people that – personally could not care less about themselves. Well, I don't know if that's fatalist, but they're not concerned for themselves as much as they're concerned for the downfall or what could or what could become of their families. So if you don't think that that's a great motivator for people to, to wield against them, think about it. You know, in this in this field and, and the people that I've talked to, and I, I get this a lot on Twitter, well, show us it, show us it, show us it. I would love to. I, I'd love to. Um, but there is a very real danger out there. Uh, there is a very real, uh, you want to call them men in black, call them men in black. It, they exist. They are out there. And it is all about power, 
money first and the utilization of red, white, and blue in the case of American. Um, but it happens across the globe. And, and a lot of times you hear this as well. You hear, well, it's an American phenomenon. <laughs> no, it is not an American phenomenon. This is international. Uh, this is in every ocean, every sky, every country. Um, you know, and, and, and I hear, well, why don't, why don't they just show themselves? It's a great question. I don't have a full answer for you. Um, I think there may be agreements in place. I don't know. Um, I know some of it, but again, that's all second and third hand knowledge. I, ca I can't, I can't report on that because I don't know for sure. What I can report on are the things that I've seen with my own eyes in the form of videos. And I can report on the things that were told to me and people that were named to me. And again, all of this is alleged and I am not claiming any of this is 100% fact. It is my belief that this is all factual. But again, I can tell you that the, the breadcrumbs that I were given, um, they all link up. And again, you guys can do some of this on your own. Uh, go, go put it out there. I've given you some information. Go, go dig. Go start digging for it. Um, there are going to be people that have better um, skills at finding information than I do. Um, there may be, I, I'm not telling anybody in the police departments to go start running stuff. I would never tell you to do that. If you did that, that's your your thing. Um, if there's people that have access to databases that normal people don't have access to, you happen to run some names and look some stuff up, just watch your backs. Uh, I started putting this stuff out there. My website was hacked within 24 hours. Um, and I have pretty stout um, controls on my stuff. Um, but yeah, it was, I got hacked. Um, and I am trying to track the digital footprints of it right now. Um, I haven't been able to do so, which leads me to believe it was, uh, pretty good. Whoever did it. Problem is, is my security is so good that I had it back up in about 15, 15 minutes. Excuse me. So, um, it was a good attempt, but uh, I don't know if it was a message or if it was, you know, someone else that was just uh, being an idiot. I don't, I don't know. But I, I find the timing odd. That's all. I was, you know, from the beginning of this whole situation and where I started was not really. Um, nobody's come after it. Let's put it that way. Um, I've had, <clears throat> excuse me, tremendous amounts of. Uh, like what they, they call a, uh, a heart attack or a brute force attack. Uh, but this wasn't a brute force attack. This was taken down in a different way. I'm not getting into how because I don't want to give a vulnerability out, but it wasn't taken down through a brute force. It was something entirely different. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm coughing on your, uh, in your ears right now. But uh, so anyway, um, there's a lot more uh, with with Peter Bythrow and I'm going to stop there because I'm still hoping to appeal to him a little bit. Um, but there's a lot more. Uh, this is much deeper. Um, again, like I said, I hinted on it about the 2004 um, event that happened on the, uh, the I, I, I don't want to get any more deeper into that. I can just tell you that 
um, the Nimitz thing and, and by thrower connected, uh, to my knowledge. And, um, again, I'll say that that's allegedly. So, um, I, I have some pretty damning evidence on that one. Um, I'll leave it at that. I don't really want to go any further into that right now. Again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, you know, hopefully Dr. Bythrow, you're out there listening. Um, I'm hoping that you, uh, do take my advice and, or take my, take my offer, I should say, um, and talk to me again. We can talk off the record. It's not a problem. Um, because I think there are other, other doors that you could help me open that could take everything away from you completely. Um, just some, some thoughts to put out there. Uh, so anyway, that's where we're going to end for this one. Um, I have some more, um, whistleblower things that I'm going to put out there, uh, within the next probably week and a half to two weeks. I'm working on, and I've also just employed a new forensic examiner for the orb photograph. Um, and we're going to specifically talk about not just the credentials of the orb photographs, orb photograph, but also distance and telemetry data. Um, so that will all be coming out as well. Um, so we'll give you as best we can a definitive size of the object, a definitive distance in a three-dimensional world of this object, um, as well as the metadata um, and the data with regard to pixel modification. Um, and I will say thus far, all preliminary data that has come back on that image has been five by five, it has no manipulation. Uh, it has no um, problems with the metadata. Um, it's not just looking at the metadata, it was checking to see if the metadata had been manipulated. Uh, and that's what that Griffi software does. Um, it's industry standard um, for forensic analysis of photographs and videos. Um, and it's it's admissible in a court of law. It's that good. Uh, so Griffi actually works with the manufacturers of photography equipment, including iPhone, uh, all your, you know, your basic, well, not basic, but uh, all your high-end smartphones, all smartphones, phones in general. It works with that data. And it can, it, it knows, it has access to their, or most of uh, their, those technologies. Um, they give them because it's law enforcement. So though it won't tell you how it's finding that information, why Grify is finding that information, it just tells you if it's been manipulated. So the software works on the back end. You have to put it through the cloud, examines the data, and can say, okay, we know that iPhone, for example, is supposed to have this, and it's supposed to have this X amount of pieces of data to it. And if it has one more, or five more, or ten less, or whatever, it knows that manipulate that data has been manipulated. And this software is uh, admissible in a court of law, and just I think every country in the in the world, I think even Russia uses this software. Um, it's the standard for forensic analysis of metadata. So. And, and again, the report that will come along with that will state all of that information as well. Um, to the Metabunk uh, mech crowd, it is not a bird and it is not a butterfly. Clowns, that's all I can tell you. I just, I don't know what you're thinking. What you just, I don't know who's paying you to act like a bunch of buffoons, but you, you look foolish and you're going to look 
10 times more foolish. Um, so again, we're employing someone else on that right now. Um, they're getting access to the folder of all the data and uh, all the photographic um, evidence of the of the picture. So that's coming. Um, it's just taking a little time um, only because they, I, it's, it has to be right. It has to be unimpeachable. And let me tell you something. If it turns out that it's BS, you're going to know it because I'm not hiding that. And I'm just telling you that all the preliminary data from it is coming back very good. So that's that. Um, next, we're going to be talking about, or we're going to have an interview, uh, a podcast interview with Fernando, the person that took the picture, as well as my friend Juan that brought it to my attention, um, as well as the forensic analysis team. Um, so you're going to get all the data that is necessary and all the data that I can put together on this thing. So you're going to get it and you're going to see and speak to the people that did it um, so that there's no, you know, no metabunk crowd out there is going to be able to talk about this. It, it's just not. Um, and I'm not doing it by some guy that uh, doesn't know what they're doing. These are experts in their field. Um, so the reason I'm doing it is because, again, I believe that what you see in that picture um, is the best orb caught on camera. I I have never seen another one that comes close to that. Um, and I think with the analysis um, that is being done with it, uh, it's going to prove beyond a shadow of doubt, uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt that this thing occurred like that, like a snap. Um, and it was captured at a, at a time that was total luck. It was com either that or it wanted to be seen. I don't know. I, I don't know how he got the picture. Um, but again, so far everything has come back and it's, it's coming back very well. So I think it's going to be something exciting to look at. So anyway, uh, that's it for this one. Uh, we'll talk again very soon. Um, thank you for listening to dear people of earth. You just listened to the dear people of earth UFO on UAP podcast presented by UAPmax.com. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be reproduced or distributed without express written consent of the content creator. Thank you for listening.